mentioned this morning, we're going to be talking about grieving the Holy Spirit. If you can, uh, turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter number 4. Ephesians chapter number 4. The fact of the matter is, is that uh, we can, but we should not grieve the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity. He is God. You have God the Father, you have God the Son, and you have God the Holy Spirit. Uh, The reason that I'm taking a minute to point that out is I think sometimes, even though doctrinally we understand the Holy Spirit to be a person, just because of the fact that his name is Spirit, we think of him not as a person, we think of him as this entity or an it or something far more vague than we might attribute to a person. But he is, uh, as part of the Trinity, he is his own individual person with his own uh, personality, with his own uh, desires and wills, with his own par- as part of the Godhead. And I can't explain all of that, but to know that he is indeed a person. And by that, it is evident that he can be grieved. You see, if he was not a person, he couldn't, he couldn't be grieved. He wouldn't have that capacity or the ability to be grieved. We think about him maybe not as a person, and thereby we don't consider the fact that he can be grieved. We don't think about the fact that he can be hurt. That's literally what it means to, to grieve somebody. According to Webster's 1828 Dictionary, he says to... To grieve is to give pain of mind to, to afflict, to wound the feelings of another. Nothing, uh, it goes on and says to afflict or inflict pain, to make sorrowful, to excite regret, to offend, to displease, to provoke. To grieve somebody. These are the descriptions or characteristics of grieving somebody. When we grieve the Holy Spirit, that's what we are indeed doing to him. So the Holy Spirit can be hurt by our actions, by our conduct, by things we do or things that we do not do. That includes our conversation, things that we say. Uh, That's part of who we are, our our conversation in the scriptures, you know, that word conversation, it means more than just what we say would include what we say, but it's our life, uh, how we're living, our character traits, what we're portraying. So we know that the Holy Spirit can be hurt by that, and we're challenged or told, commanded in the Bible to grieve not the Holy Spirit. Would you look at our text verse this evening, Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 30. Ephesians 4 and verse number 30, and he says, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. I think it is very noteworthy that God included with this command in this very same verse, I believe, both a motive as well as a uh, statement of truth for us. He says, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. You see, there are some that teach that when you grieve the Holy Spirit, you lose your salvation. And I want you to know it's very clear given to us here as a uh, doctrine, as a statement of fact from the Lord himself that, hey, don't grieve the Holy Spirit whereby you are sealed until the day of redemption. 
that once you're saved, you have salvation and you've been sealed, you've been protected, you've been kept by the Holy Spirit of God and you can't lose your salvation. Amen? Yeah, no, you're sealed. You can't lose it. That's what he says here. But I believe in that same statement, there stands for us a motivation because the fact that this one who by the power of God and as God himself is keeping us from losing our salvation, he is uh, securing us in the hand of the Father. He is uh, performing that which the Father has given him to do and protecting us and keeping us safe until that day of redemption. We should want nothing more than to avoid grieving him. He's the one that's protecting us. He's the one that's caring for us. He's the one that is going to uh, watch over us. We know there are many other aspects of things that the Holy Spirit does for us, which you're going to be learning about as you do this little study over the week. All these things that the Spirit does for us, the last thing any one of us would want to do or should want to do is grieve the Holy Spirit. It ought to grieve our spirit when we grieve the Holy Spirit. Now, Alicia is a very tender-hearted young lady. And I've told you before how if she feels like I'm disappointed, just that can bring her to tears. She's grieved in her spirit because she feels she grieved dad. That she did something that dad's not happy about. And so she, that's how we should be with our Heavenly Father. So sensitive to Him and wanting to desire and please Him and know that the Holy Spirit as part of the Godhead there, we, we don't want to grieve Him. We want to do all we can to avoid that. Now it is noteworthy here, again by way of introduction, that I point out the fact that in order for grief to be possible, there must be love. The greater the love, the greater the possibility for grief. The stronger the love. You know, if uh, Brother Hunt down here found out later this week that somebody emptied his wallet, he would be upset. Somebody stole this money. Man, I didn't have that money to spare. I mean, I wonder who that could have been. He'd be upset, a little aggravated. But if he found out later that it was one of these boys from church, he would be grieved. It's one of the people that he would call friend, somebody that he's trying to be a blessing to, somebody that he's trying to help. But you know, if he found out later that it was his son, He'd be really grieved. Why? Because the magnitude of the love greatly increases the level of, of grieving. And that should drive home to us because the Holy Spirit loves us more than we can comprehend. And thereby is very susceptible to us causing great grief. For him. Romans 15, verse number 30 says, Now I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake and for the love of the Spirit. For the love of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit loves you. And because that love is present, 
when we do something against the Spirit, it grieves Him. It grieves Him. How do we grieve the Spirit? Well, we're going to look at these things, several things tonight. First of all, we grieve the Spirit by defeating His purpose. What He wants to do in our lives. The work that He's trying to perform. And there's a whole list of things that He's uh, doing for us and leading us and directing us. We know that He is to guide us into all truth. And as he's trying to guide us, if we go our own way or do our own thing, we're defeating the the work that he's trying to perform. We know that the Holy Spirit's first work, as we've talked about last Sunday, is to convict of sin. But another work that the Holy Spirit does, we learn about in Acts 1.8. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and all Judea and in Samaria and into the uttermost parts of the earth. One of the things that the Holy Spirit does for us is he empowers us to be a witness. And when the Holy Spirit is trying to empower you to do the the work of witnessing, and we don't do that, as Miss Kim was saying tonight, we know we should. The Holy Spirit's been prompting us and telling us to, and the Holy Spirit is empowering you to go do that. But we defeat, squash, crush the work of the Holy Spirit in that area of our lives. Giving out gospel tracts, being a witness, telling somebody, sharing with somebody else the, the, the truth of the knowledge of Jesus Christ that he saves. He's the remedy for the problem of sin that they have. Oh, it might not be real popular, but it is the truth, and it's what they need to hear. Like Ms. Kim said tonight, why wouldn't we just go tell them, you need to get saved? That's what you need. You need the, the shed blood of Jesus Christ to wash away all your sins, and the Holy Spirit is trying to perform that work through us and many other works, but when we stop it, we're defeating that work he's trying to do. And it grieves him. We grieve the Holy Spirit when we desecrate his property in Bethesda Maryland there were three churches that were vandalized on the same night believed by the police to be of the same culprits because the uh, consistency of the crime through the three different properties they set two of the churches on fire they just destroyed uh, the third one did a lot of damage in the church there Uh, The pastor of Wildwood Baptist Church said on the news that our prayers and concerns are for those whose hearts are so vile as that they would attack a church or a graveyard. The church had a graveyard attached to it and they toppled a bunch of the stones and and made made a mess in the graveyard. But you know, beloved, we're... We get up in arms about that, and we should. It bothers us that people would come and desecrate the house of God. But do you know tonight that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? It is his dwelling place. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. 1 Corinthians 6.19 What, know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and you are not your own, for you are bought with a price. 
Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. This is his property. This is the Holy Spirit dwells inside of us. This is one of the reasons why uh, any preacher that uh, stands up and preaches the book tells you there's some things that you're not supposed to be doing with this body. Because it's no longer yours. You no longer have liberty to just go do whatever you want and put whatever you want into the body and ingest whatever you want because it destroys the body. It destroys the testimony. It hurts that temple that uh, the Holy Spirit is dwelling in. It desecrates the Holy Spirit's property. Your body is his dwelling place. He is in you. Do you ever think about the fact that the Holy Spirit has to endure Everything that you're doing in this flesh, the Holy Spirit, part of the Godhead, is dwelling in you, and he has to endure whatever you're participating in, whatever you're doing. You, you are t- taking his dwelling place, maybe some places it shouldn't go. Subjecting it to some things maybe shouldn't be subjected to. You see, if you back up into verse number 29 in our text, Ephesians chapter 4. He says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Verse 31, let all bitterness and wrath, and anger, and clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. He gives us here, there's some things that desecrate the body. This is not an all-inclusive list. We know there's other things that desecrate the body, but it is a list that just gets the ball rolling. It just lets us know, lets us be conscious of the fact there's some things that we shouldn't have as part of our body. He says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Christian, we need to watch what comes out of our mouth. We need to watch what we're saying. Christians shouldn't be using foul language. Christians shouldn't be telling off-color jokes. I mean, we're not even talking about dirty jokes. We're talking about off-color jokes. We're talking about jokes that are just borderline. You know, I enjoy, enjoy a good joke, and I listen to uh, dry bar comedy, but I want you to know that uh, some of the stuff on dry bar comedy is, is not fit to be listening to. You're like, oh, this is clean. This is clean comedy because they, they, they tell them they can't cuss. But some of those guys get really close to the line. And they use the world's terminologies or they use the slang or they, they tell jokes that, you know, just the Christian's not supposed to have corrupt communication come out of his mouth. That grieves the Holy Spirit. You know, corrupt communication is lying. I, I, it's just something that boggles my mind and I don't understand it. You're meeting with two people, and I mean, I understand it with little kids, because little kids are afraid of getting in trouble, and they're going to do whatever they can to protect themselves. You know, they they need to learn and be taught not to lie, and you have two kids, and the stories don't match, and neither one of them wants to say, well, no, I lied. 
I understand that, but I don't understand it with adults. I don't understand it where you got two grown people and their stories don't match. Somebody's lying. There's no other way around it. Somebody's lying. And, and you can give a little bit of grace here and there for people's memories and such, you know, but uh, what I'm saying is that, that shouldn't be, Christian. We've got to be careful what comes out of our mouth. We've got to be sure that we're telling the truth. We're talking in Sunday school about one way to defeat Satan is to seek after truth. Don't let corrupt communication come out of your mouth. Just, just go overboard to be sure that you're as clear and as honest in your communication as you possibly can be. Don't want to be uh, misheard or misrepresented or uh, clear in such a way you said something that maybe might have been taken the wrong way. And so I'm just going to clarify and make sure you knew this is what I was saying just to make sure that you are communicating honestly. You know, you can lie to the Holy Spirit. Ananias and Sapphira did. And it cost them their life in Acts chapter 5. Three times it tells there in Acts chapter 5 that they lied to the Holy Spirit, that they lied to God. You know, they wanted to look good. You know, that's the motivation for... I would say almost all lies is we want to look good. We don't want to be thought of as poor or, or uh, you know, looked down on or, you know, we didn't understand that situation correctly. And, and so we just make something up. I, I don't know. But we've got to be careful with that. It grieves the Holy Spirit. Acts 5, verse number 3 says, Ananias, why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost? Why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost? And it grieved the Holy Spirit. He says here, we're not going to take time to preach on all these, but, you know, bitterness, put away bitterness, put away wrath, put away anger, clamor, evil speaking. These things, uh, you know, as Christians, they grieve the Holy Spirit when we're involved in them. Not only do we, we grieve the Holy Spirit by defeating his purpose in our life or desecrating the property that is his dwelling place, but by disregarding his presence in our life. Disregarding his presence. You know, the Holy Spirit's work inside of us. We know he's present. We know he's there. And his first work is to convict of sin, but our job is to respond to that convicting spirit. Our job is to yield to it. To not disregard it. But many, many Christians live in the place where they disregard the Holy Spirit. They do not respond to the Holy Spirit. I went to Walmart this afternoon to pick some stuff up for vacation Bible school. And I'm just walking through Walmart. And, you know, it's pretty, I mean, obviously I was dressed like this. And it's pretty easy to see the other people that were in church this morning. I mean, not, I mean, my boys went and changed, so they're not everybody that maybe somebody changed, but by and large, you could look around and like, oh, they were in church, they were in church. But, you know, I just, I just wonder how many of those people in Walmart would say that they're born-again, Bible-believing Christians, but they didn't go to church today. They know in their heart that God wants them in church. They know that's where they're supposed to be. The Holy Spirit would be convicting of, them, of that fact. The Holy Spirit would be saying, uh, you know, you should be in church today. But they decide to disregard it. 
they decide to ignore it. They don't want to yield to that. They don't want to submit to that. They want to just do what they want to do. You know, the Holy Spirit's conviction in our heart is like a set of warning bells. It's red flags that go off. It's cautions. You know, don't do this or, or stop doing that. Don't go there. And we're supposed to yield to that. Thank God for his convicting spirit. It pulls you back from the brink of disaster. Thank God for his convicting spirit because it confirms that you're a son or a daughter of his. Romans 8, 16 says, The spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. The spirit. You have the Holy Spirit in you. It confirms that you are a child of God. But when we disregard the Holy Spirit's presence and his purpose in our life, it grieves him. You know, young people, kids, you can hurt your parents greatly by disregarding their presence. Acting like they're not even there. Acting like the wisdom that they have is outdated, is null and void, is irrelevant. You know, I was talking to one of the men in the church in the foyer after this morning's service, and he was telling me about how he was trying to help a young man and give him some advice. And he says, well, this is what you need to do. And the boy chose not to do it. And like some, some time later, he had something else going on. And this older man of the church said, this is what you should do. And the boy chose not to do it. And, and ultimately, you know, it came back around that what the older man's advice he gave him was exactly what he was supposed to do. And he says, I told you, you should have done that. I mean, why, why wouldn't you do it? Why wouldn't you heed the advice of an older person that has gone down the road a little bit, lived a little bit, but especially somebody that loves you and cares for you? Why wouldn't you heed their advice? Because you're full of pride? Because you want to do your own thing? Because you don't realize the pain that you're causing your mom and dad? Your parents that feed you and put clothes on your back and a roof over your head. Your parents who cared for you when you were sick and cleaned up after you when you didn't make it to the bucket. Your parents that comforted you when you had a broken heart. And you want to pretend like what they say doesn't matter. What they say doesn't make a difference. You're just going to do your own thing or go in your own way. And you know what? Quite frankly, I don't care if you're 18 or 22 or 36. Your parents brought you into this world. And they loved you. And they still love you. And there ought to be some deference there. The command to honor has never been removed. It doesn't say honor until you're 18 and then you can do what you want. That's a worldly philosophy that this world's gotten into people's mindset. Oh, I only have to honor and obey my mom and dad until I'm 18. Then I'm a man. I can do whatever I want. Well, not if you're going to follow the Bible. You're still supposed to honor. Now, if your parents are asking or would desire for you to do something that's not right with God, not, not, not honoring God, then you honor God first. But there ought to be some deference there, some respect there, and 
when I'm saying kids, you have no idea the hurt that you put on your parents' hearts. I had a parent contact me two weeks ago. Said, pray for us. My son just moved out. Not doing right. Doesn't want, doesn't want to be here. Parent, broken hearted. Broken hearted. It doesn't have to be that way. You've got to realize what it is that you're doing. And Christian, we need to realize what it is we're doing to the Holy Spirit. It hurts the Holy Spirit. This is resisting the Holy Spirit's will in our life. When he wants us to do something or desires for us to stop doing something, we resist him. How many of you have heard uh, preachers talk about the idea of, um, like, oh, I knew for a long time that I was supposed to be a preacher, but I didn't do it? What they're saying is for several years, I resisted what the Holy Spirit, what what God wanted me to do. For several years, the Holy Spirit was telling me this is where you're supposed to go. This is what you're supposed to do. But I was saying, no, I, 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 that's not me. I'm not going to do that. That's not my personality, or I can't do that, or I, I don't have the ability. Whatever the reason is, they resisted, right? There may be some here. I mean, I think the Lord wants to call some people to the mission field out of Hunt Valley Baptist Church. Some young men, some young ladies want to surrender and do what God wants them to do. But you're resisting. You're resisting. You're saying, no, uh, it may be even from from this aspect of not that you're rebellious and bless God, I'm going to do whatever I want. You may just not have enough faith in God that he can do with you what he says he's going to do. You may just look at it and say, no, I, I can't do that. I mean, surely God must be making a mistake. So you're resisting him and you need to just yield to him. Just yield to him. Let let God Take you. Romans 13, verse 2 says, Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. You know, we've had here in this service, uh, in this church, many times on Sunday morning, uh, especially it's more often on Sunday mornings because we have a lot of guests. But there's people that will resist the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit tells them they should go down front and talk to somebody about getting saved. The Holy Spirit is saying to them, you need to move. You know you need that. This is truth. You heard the truth this morning. Why don't you go down there and let them show you how to trust Jesus Christ? Why don't you take that step? But they resist, right? They resist. We've had opportunity over the years with you don't always get the other side of the story, but sometimes you do. And over the years, we've heard the other side of the story sometimes where they have came back and said, you know, I knew for, you know, weeks or months that I was supposed to get saved. And I kept putting it off and kept putting it off and finally did because they were resisting. He says there that resist themselves. They, you keep resisting. You resist. You'll, you'll uh, he says, receive to themselves damnation. It's not a good place to be when we're resisting the Holy Spirit. Some resist like the Sanhedrin in Acts chapter 7. Stephen was preaching in the power of God. He was preaching, preaching it straight, preaching it powerful, and they didn't like it. They didn't like it at all. Uh, he called them stiff-necked, uncircumcised of heart and ears. 
He says, you do always resist the Holy Ghost. He said, you're, you're stiff-necked. God, God's telling you to do this, and you won't change. You're resisting the Holy Ghost. Why are you resisting? He was telling them that. And you know what they did? They uh, gnashed on him with their teeth. I think they got mad at the preacher. <laughs> the Holy Spirit was convicting, and their job was to respond to the Holy Spirit, but they didn't, they didn't do that. They went and gnashed on him with their teeth, and then a few verses later, they stoned him. Just a few verses later, they stoned the preacher. You know, that's where the phrase comes from, don't stone the messenger. You know, that, that they, they stoned him instead of responding to the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit is speaking to our heart, telling us to do something, we are to respond, not grieve him. You can disregard his prompting long enough, and ultimately it will quench the Spirit's working in your life. First Thessalonians 5.19 tells us, quench not the Spirit. To quench is literally to snuff out. You guys have all seen the little tools that are on an ornate bar that they bring in at the wedding and they snuff out all the candles. They put them out. That's what it's saying. To quench the Holy Spirit is to snuff out His work in your life. When we resist Him, when we don't yield to Him, when we grieve Him, ultimately, it will quench. It'll put out the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And if you continue, you can read Romans chapter 1, where God says he'll turn you over. The Holy Spirit's work is done. You don't want to quench the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit's working, we need to yield to him. Listen, any one of us here is capable of the most vile of sins. I know right now we look at it and we think, no, it's not possible. I know somebody that from my perspective is 10 times the preacher that I am. He's very gifted, very skilled. He's probably... 30 times the people person that I am. I was doing a great work for God. Not long ago, I was caught in an adulterous relationship. He's out of the ministry. Guy my age, friend of mine. It's heartbreaking. You just look at it and you say, what in the world? How, how did that happen? Because when he started in his thought life, letting his thoughts ponder some lady, the Holy Spirit came and reached into his heart and said, you know, that's wrong. You know, you can't be doing that. You know, you shouldn't, you shouldn't look at her that way. You shouldn't be thinking that. And instead of responding to the Holy Spirit, he grieved the Holy Spirit. And any one of us here are capable of doing any sin. 
if we are willing to just grieve the Holy Spirit to quench his work in our life so that we can go do what we want to do. Let Satan have his way and it'll happen. I implore you tonight to ponder and think about what it is that we're doing to the Holy Spirit when we're going the wrong way, when we're living wrong, when we're not yielding to him, whatever it might be. It may be something... Listen, I'll tell on myself, just yesterday I had somebody from Facebook Marketplace come and buy something. And he came over to the church property over there. He bought something from me, loaded his truck, and left. And the Holy Spirit said, you reprobate. Here's somebody that came to the church, was right here by your house, you had tracks and John and Romans and everything else in your truck, right? You could have handed him something so easy, and now you've missed the opportunity to be a witness to that man. He could have probably got saved right here. The Holy Spirit said, you didn't do it. You stand up in front of those people and preach about, about being a witness and handing out gospel tracks, and you let that opportunity pass you. See, that's what the Holy Spirit does. So you have, you have okay, resist that and say, well, I'm going to do what I want to do. Or you say, okay, Lord, forgive me. Lord, help me to be more sensitive and to be ready so that I can seize the next opportunity. And when you respond to the Holy Spirit, you put a smile on God's face. 